Hello and welcome to the Manifest Image podcast. The 20th century marked a change in the arts, no longer waiting to be retrospectively defined by critics and historians. Writers such as F.T. Marinetti, Tristan Sara and Andre Breton took their identities into their own hands. Deliberately coming together to outline their key beliefs into structured art theories, they disseminated these beliefs into a range of artistic manifestos. On this podcast, we explore and evaluate these manifesto-led movements, including the artists behind them and the works they produced. We have an Instagram page, and you can support us on Ko-fi. This will be in the description below. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Ariel de la Garza. This episode, we take a look at the Manifesto of Futurist Musicians, written by... Francesco Baglia Pratella. I'm glad you said that, and not yep. me. yep. It's as good as it gets. That is, yes. <laughs> Ask no more. Mm -hmm. So we were... If you do, you won't get it. <laughs> yeah. If you notice a slightly deflated tone in our speech, listeners, uh, has been several... False absolutely starts. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious false starts. But in any case, we're working off of two translations. One yes. by Lawrence Rainey, the other by Carolyn Tisdale. Mm -hmm. The first from the biblical anthology of... Mm -hmm. Yeah, All Futurist Manifestos. Futurist Anthology. The other from a little Tate publication that is somewhat hard to find nowadays. Um, the publication history for this manifesto is a little difficult. Apparently, it may have been done, uh, it may have been published the 11th of October 1910, um, definitely the 11th of November 1910 in Il Nuovo Teatro, um, and then definitely in. Uh, 1912 in Pratelli's Musica Futurista, um, a collection of many of his different, uh, well, I guess things, particularly for pianoforte, mm. his compositions. And there would be uh, it, there would be translations in French and English and and, and Italian. Yeah. I don't know English. I don't know when it the might first. Not be, no, it might no, not it was Italian and French. No, in my yeah. apologies. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly and it floated around. Yeah, definitely. Have you got a reading? I, I do, I do. I had two. Um, and yeah, I'll go for that. I'll go for that. I'm going to go first for one that I think sets the general tone um, and that I find, I find interesting later on. So, I have, I have lied. I have lied to you all. I'm going to start with the meteor one. Futurism, which is a rebellion of the life of intuition and feeling, a palpitating and impetuous springtime inevitably declares war against doctrines, individuals, or works that repeat, prolong, or praise the past at the expense of the future. It proclaims the conquest of an amoral freedom of action, conscience and conceptualization. It proclaims that art is disinterestedness, heroism, disdain for easy success. Those last three are perhaps the most important of the quote, disinterestedness, heroism, and disdain for easy success. It's nice to have that uh, explicit tie in to futurism and a kind of different exposition of it. Because I think that, that that's, it's a different spin on it, uh, while still very clearly, I think, being futurist. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's nice to have that. Because uh, the actual structure of this manifesto is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you can almost think of it as being split into two parts. Um, uh, the, with the first part, the main focus is on actually giving this itinerary of uh, different musicians, different composers mm -hmm. in different countries uh, and saying, celebrating their good points and saying, yes, Italy, uh, sorry, uh, uh, France has the, these people, England has these people, uh, Germany has these people. And he will sing their praises as well as their faults and say, this is no good. And then go, Italy, we haven't got anyone. Yeah. And so he would then move in. Well, somewhat similar to, to the uh, Painter's Manifesto. Although it, in the Painter's yeah. Manifesto, they do, they do like um, certain Italian painters. They don't think it's all dead. I mean, Divisionism was still Italian, I think. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, originally? Well, no, but I mean, like Segantini or, or, yeah, yeah. or these, these painters were... Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. strong there, but it's it's like I think more similar to to that. I think also it's similar just because we know that the next manifesto is the technical yeah. manifesto. So they seem to both be trying to grapple with how to apply these Marinetti grandiloquence grandiloquent verses 
to their art form. You know? So there's some translation that for Marinetti isn't there. It's immediate for him. That's true. And I, I think this will become more apparent because uh, after we have that celebration, he'll then have this tirade against mm -hmm. uh, Italy's condition in terms of music. And that ties in with the declarations. And the declarations, most of them are quite soft. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through them and I've related them, like how similar they are to the original Futurist Manifesto as well as the, the painter's one. And you can kind of see whether there's this... Uh, to what extent it really is futurist in its theme, because this is one of the fascinating things that uh, comes through in our podcast, mm -hmm. um, which is... No, one of the many, uh, many, yeah, yes. many oh, fascinating yes. things, yes. Um, which is that how you get a core idea, uh, which will typically not really tie into any art form in particular. Uh, in fact, the original one, if anything, is closest to poetry, because mm -hmm. uh, he talks about what the poet should be like, and, and it's a revolution in terms of ordinary life. But how does this actually come through into other art forms? And, it, and it, they certainly try to, whether it be theatre, uh, um, photography, uh, uh, art, sculpt, uh, painting, sculpture. No, definitely. And let's see how they yeah. try to do it here. Uh, so the, the one other thing I did want to mention, I do want to read, is a little bit about uh, Germany. So in Germany, in point of fact, after the glorious and revolutionary age that was dominated by the sublime genius of Wagner... Richard Strauss has almost elevated Baroque instrumentation into a vital form of art. True, his harmonic and acoustic mannerisms, which are deft, complicated, and striking, cannot conceal the aridity, commercialism, and banality of his spirit. Yet his innovative mind was struggling with and attempting to, with and attempting to surpass the recent past. Just, it's nice, wow. isn't it? Like, yeah. He's got nice... Talk about negging. He's sort of going on there. Like, yeah, really nice there. Nice, I mean, of course... Yeah. Of, of course, it can't really conceal like the aridity, commercialism. But they terrible with that dress. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like your eyes, but, I mean, they can't conceal your banality of spirit. <laughs> wow. But also, uh, terrible. To, yeah. even if you're not especially interested in futurism, I think it's wonderful, just as a critic, to just see what he makes of these different uh, yeah. musicians and composers. It's fabulous. To me, it was a little disappointing to then see who he does praise very, very highly. Um, we can get into this in a bit. Cause we I, will, yeah. yeah. But hold on, would you like to ask me, there you go, make it explicit, uh, about a pithy summary? No. No, all right, then we'll move on. No, go on. You should have seen how you should have seen how his face just dropped. It was, it was like a little child lost yeah, in the snow. It was like I, like I kicked over his ice cream cone or something. Oh. So come on, chip, hey, your pithy summary. <laughs> this one is even pithier. This one is literally because th there is a tone of a kind of it's like, I don't a, know, like an angry school bag of pith. Yeah, yeah, yeah this one really is because I get the feeling from the actual manifesto. So this one, this is my even pithier kind of also because of how yeah yeah go on go on yeah this thirteen year old imagine okay this is Bala thirteen. <laughs> Hear me, kids, us futurists have been going mad. We're visionaries. I've won a prize, and so I'm respectable. It also lets me say they're all cretins, mediocre and commercial. I know, because I got a prize. Other countries have got some all right, if not perfect, musicians. In Italy, we've got no one. Plus, we could be even better. We're too cool for school. It constrains your raw creativity. Get out of the conservatories and academies. They're for celebrating the dead. Mm -hmm. Most musical kids today are messed up. They do bad work. Pay for it to be seen, plus they're inauthentic. Who are these idiots talking about well-made music? Is there something between opera or pure symphony? And isn't opera libretto bad these days? Aren't publishers just the worst? Pietro Mascagni is pretty great. He's shown the publishers up as gatekeepers. He's made some innovations with harmonic and lyrical elements of opera, but he's still trapped in tradition. Only the ignorant call themselves maestro. Then we're into the declarations, and finally ending off with, I don't care what you have to say, Marinette is the man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is my angry teenager. I mean, it was an angry teenager that might also might be, be a, nine, a, yeah. cockney, a cockney cabbie, but... It's, <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, you not know that he was a cockney cabbie? Oh, you're right. The Pratella's a long line of cockney yeah. cabbies. Uh -huh. He was in Oliver. Yeah. <laughs>
I, th- that's exactly it, though. That, that's that's definitely the tone that he has throughout this whole manifesto. I mean, the, you, you said that, oh, well, in the first part, he talks about the things he likes. and the, No, no, no. The first part, he brags about his little prizes that he got. He tells us, yeah. What was it? A thousand lira, which... I don't know how a hideously year? how hideously devalued the lira was, was back then. Um, well, no, he says it with such conviction as well. A year ago, my futurist musical work was proclaimed the winner among a field of contestants of a prize of 1,000 lira wow. that would go towards the costs of executing work deemed superior and worthy of performance, according to the bequest left by... Ariel, I will require your help. Cincinnato Barusi from Bologna. The commission of judges comprised masters such as Pietro Mascagni and Orefice. Orefice, that was, that was yeah. lovely. Uh, you can do this. You can, oh. yeah, have, a, have a go. Mattiolo? Ma- Mattioli? Yeah. Ferrari? <laughs> yes. yes. And the critic, Nappi. Battista Nappi. The work was entitled La Sina de Varguo. La Sina de Vargun, I guess. Vargun. Vargun. And based on a poem in free verse which I had written. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up going into uh, t- uh, talking about this and saying what a resounding success it was. However, he then also says, I've met all these people and they suck. They're terrible. <laughs> I do. He does. He does. That, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, that's why he, he has this strange tone. He's kind of. It, I w- I, there's something that's deeply off about that first bit. Is he's trying to win us over by saying like he's got he's credible, he's kind mm-hmm. of been accepted, but I don't know if it actually undermines him and makes him seem, I don't know, Conceded. to want to have his cake and eat it as well because yeah. he's kind of gone like oh somehow I've made it into that without being one of them, but because they've accepted me, it's also allowed me to get up close and personal to them and see actually that it's a rather murky and horrible world and there's a lot that's wrong with it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, oh, and he calls his entrance triumphal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, terrible, terrible. He's really pleased with himself. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really pleased. He feels almost the most pleased with himself of the ones we've read so far. I know, and that's even, like even a more lot. Than, even more than Marinetti. Who, I know, who, who's like a, I mean, he's clearly a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, but Marinetti has his moments of doubt, doesn't he? He does. Or, I mean, like he says for, how for, difficult it for is for rhetorical like, so can... for rhetorical flourish he has his moments of doubt yeah well, he, he relishes he relishes the, the the lack of acceptance which is a very futurist thing and he, you know this uh, Pratella tries too but maybe he, he seems to have been a little too accepted for for his own rhetorical good I think see uh, one of the things that I think will come out with Pratella is that he's he doesn't have the violence that other uh, futurists have mm. especially not only the violence to others but also to himself. Uh, because uh, Marinetti always has this thing in something like Let's Murder the Moonlight where mm-hmm. I know it's difficult and even moving on when he's talking about oh, I was seeing the forests etc he says I remember being in love with this once and so there is this kind of nostalgia but he, he believes that he must also kill that but yeah. he will suffer for it and he thinks that still you have to do that it's this kind of Nietzschean bent mm. that doesn't come through with Fratello I think he's a, he's a slightly um cleaner futurism i think he just likes the idea of uh, of a musical chaos and uh, a new creativity in music but i don't think it actual it will actually come through in other things i could be wrong perhaps so could be wrong yeah. but so far from this manifesto that's what i've got hmm it's interesting so but do you know what i mean though or perhaps you so. disagree like it doesn't seem he hasn't well, where is that slap and the punching fist where's the getting behind the wheel of a car and driving at a million miles an hour down the road trying to outrun death no he doesn't have that as much um he i mean i, I was trying to go back to to the little bit that we read before mm. uh, that, that art is disinterestedness heroism and disdain for easy success I think easy success so, will be a big theme in sure, this. Sure, disdain for easy success. I mean, there he calls Richard Va- Richard Strauss a, a, a you know banal commercialist, um, <laughs> and the heroism, right? I think is the most violent he gets. Yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, definitely. So, what? How? How? How do you want to go about this? How do you want to go about this? Okay, so I think we can look at the uh, uh, declarations. In a bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, but um, 
And because we will also look at this thing called well-made music, which he's especially against. Well, look, let's but go, let's go I'd into... Like, I'd like yeah. to first hear, uh, he, he has this long list of musicians that he thinks do gr- good work, mm-hmm. if not perfect. And, you know, he's, yeah, he's got I, this weird... I agree. Uh, let's, let's go into that uh, immediately. Yeah, and also, we're going to get some of your hot takes on uh, these composers. Yes. So, we start with, uh, we start with Richard Strauss. Well, with Wagner, go. So, I mean, he's a fan of Wagner. So, too long. All right, let's oh, move God. on. Uh, Richard Strauss. No. <laughs> he's a fan of Wagner. He likes sure. Wagner. Yeah. But uh, uh, one of the all other things that he'll like about Wagner, which we'll see as well, is that Wagner is one of these people who does write his own librettos. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, um, th- these librettos, uh, these are essentially a kind of a poem. They are, uh, they are a poem that is put to music that will feature. And that has a story. And... Exactly, yes. And they were typically in verse. Mm-hmm. And you'll actually see that uh, in his declarations, he'll say, the libretto should be written by the composer, so there should be no, uh, 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 no co-authorship of, of the overall mm-hmm. work, like mm-hmm. one doing the music, one doing the, the, the language. That shouldn't happen. Both yeah. should be done by the same person. And also, he will reject the verse. So th- this is something that is possibly being influenced partly by Marinetti, uh, with the words in freedom. He, he wants it to be free verse. Um, so we're, we're actually stretching towards the ends of what it is to be a poem, uh, where we're, we're actually losing meter as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But no... Uh, yeah, that is, that, is, that, is, that is interesting. I think he was, I guess, that model for, for him and for a lot of people. I mean, Wagner's massive romantic scale um, is, is, is appealing. Yeah. But see, he mentions Baroque instrumentation. So the, 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 the standard of Baroque, I mean, Baroque is a controversial term these days because it, it's unclear to what it actually refers. It may mm-hmm. be too vague, it's too general. Uh, but in terms of music, one of the main things that you think is that you'll be having complex melodic lines mm-hmm. that are almost... Uh, uh, they're le- leaning towards a cacophony, like uh, these negative sounds. Like they don't really blend mm-hmm. apart from at these points of extremes. And these are the counterpoints. So there'll be these melodies that don't seem to directly interweave and interlock, but then there'll be certain points where they resolve. So mm-hmm. it's this mixture of conflict and resolution. And I think something of that he will want, but he mm-hmm. won't want it to be easy. I don't think uh, 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 Pratella is interested in, in mu- music having a, a fully satisfying uh, resolution. Yeah. Uh, there should always be something a little more left to say, I think. And so th- this is why I wanted to, because from what you were reading out, the Baroque instrumentation, this, this complex layering, I think he'll like that. I mean, that, that I do. That I do. So then he talks about uh, Claude Debussy, um, who he he is quite nice to. Yes, no? but he said, he calls him. One of the things I was I was really taken yeah. aback by, profoundly subjective artist and perhaps more of a man of letters than a musician. Yeah, <laughs> that's a backhanded compliment. Like, more of a writer, this guy. More of an intellectual. When sure. it comes to actually being a, a musician, yeah. Mainly seems to think that his themes that there's almost a total lack of thematic development, which. I'm not entirely sure how to gauge these things in music. Um, but Debussy's quite nice. Well, he's also, Debussy's he's, pretty great. He's almost undermined himself by saying a profoundly subjective artist. In what sense can he be subjective then? Mm-hmm. Well, ah, now I get it. Pratella wasn't a man of letters. He was a musician. <laughs> Who knows what the hell he meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He didn't get Marinetti to proofread it. Yeah, but, but so he does seem to think still that, you know, Debussy is one that he, he likes, if, if maybe for different reasons. Um, so he does seem to find him, like, I guess, moving, if not as formally exciting as other ones. Um, then he mentions Gustave Charpentier, which I don't know. I'd just like you to, to read out, like, he swims in a tranquil pool, uh, in a diaphanous and tranquil pool of harmonies that are tenuous, delicate, azure, and always transparent. Now, Which, you were uh, listening that to... That makes sense. You were listening to some of these uh, compositions. Oh, Debussy? Yeah. Yeah, just before this. And I could tell... Well, I, I don't have to say can tell. You literally told me it sounds a bit soft, doesn't it? Oh, no, no, it? no, 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 no. I wasn't. It wasn't Debussy. I was no, 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 to... but 
no, I was listening to Glasunov. No, but you were listening to others as well. And but not Debussy. Not Debussy. Not Debussy So you're, you're... I like Debussy. Debussy's great. But is he not still too soft? I mean, that description not seems to be saying exactly really, that kind I, of thing that I you don't had really a problem like the, with. No, no, it's not it. So one thing is... Uh, so what, what, what Thomas is, is referring to um, is I was calling some other stuff really treacly, like, like eating sugar or something. Mm. And I don't mean that to be like as opposed to hard edge music or whatever. Um, that's not what, I, what I'm saying at all. It's just some stuff feels overtly sentimental and a bit trite, a bit melodramatic, whereas other things have genuine emotion. So Debussy, I would say, leans more towards the genuine emotion side for me. Okay. But he still, but he still regards it as or like trying like a Chopin, like like Chopin, delicate. like Chopin's Nocturne, right? They're really, really lovely. They're by no means hard edged, but they're I find them genuinely moving. I don't find them like treacly. I think you could argue that Chopin has a hard edge. I mean, I'm sure you could, but okay. So then maybe you do, but but I'm, I don't. I'm not particularly interested in that distinction. No, um, I think it's sort of unhelpful. Yeah, what I what I was listening to was Glazunov, who I did mm. find like ugh, <laughs> boring. Um, he mentions then, uh, well, right. There's another. There's a br- brief mention of Gustave Charpentier, who I don't know, not to be confused with the greater Charpentier. Um, then there's Modest Musogorsky, who was great mm. actually. That was that was great. That was I didn't I hadn't really listened to him. I think I I'd, I'd heard the tune before. The pictures at an exhibition, I guess, I guess main theme, mm. if you want to call it that. But you have a preference. You listen to two versions. Yes. You listen to the orchestral as well mm-hmm. as the piano. Piano is far superior. It was done the, by Ravel, or- I think, 1922 or something like that. The, the orchestral. The orchestral. Oh, he did. Th- the orchestral. Originally, it's in piano. Oh, okay. It's so the other way around. Pi- piano, it's, it's far superior in piano. It's wonderful. So Ravel messed it up. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he did. It's... That doesn't for me. It doesn't work because there's like a wonderful abstraction to the piano version, where he will kind of have this this main theme that's very very clear and very defined, and then you'll go into these more complicated um, compositions, I guess, before returning to this tune with certain things changed. So you have this like recurring, really really wonderful structure to the thing. Which is completely lost when you, when you make it into a much greater instrumentation because you can't do those complicated things yeah. in that scale. So you end up with, with something, just the main tune, really, which is not as interesting to me. It's strange. Yeah, no, I agree. From listening to the two versions, the, the bombast from the orchestral that, one, exactly. it's almost the impossible to kind of hide Please it. quiet down. Yeah. It is. It's almost a bit too in your face. It, exactly. Yeah. Whereas the other one, the, 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 like, the clarity and simplicity of the tune really carries through. I, you, you should really listen to, to both, both versions and make, make up your mind. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Would you like to name the name of the piece again for them to listen of Mosogorsky that we Pictures recommend? at an Exhibition. It's the, 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 I think the very famous one of his. Yeah, there, yeah, there are lots of versions available on Spotify, mm-hmm. YouTube, wherever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Glasunov to me sounded a bit like like a piano music playing in the back of a Marx Brothers sketch. Oh, that's, <laughs> gosh, that's, that's damning, weird. isn't it? A bit, yeah. Oh. Um, like, kind of simple and like in the back of a. I mean, if, if a, you're wanting comedies. Yeah. No, well, it's not exactly comedy. It's more like one of the boring scenes in the Marx Brothers oh, movies God. where they're, they're talking. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> For the record, I thought it was quite quaint. Quaint, there you go. I'm sympathetic to quaint. I'm sympathetic to quaint. In defense of sentiment. But quaint and sentiment. Again, not the same thing. Sentimentality doesn't have to be all... Sorry, sentiment doesn't have to be all... Boring. Sentimental. Yeah. Sentiment doesn't have to be sentimental. It doesn't. I stand by that. (laughs) No, it's absolute nonsense. (laughs) There's a difference between saccharine and yeah, exactly, sentiment. exactly. Like like when you listen to Rachmaninoff and you get a headache, or when you drink it. Yes. <laughs> Even worse. I mean, I'd oh, no. rather drink it than listen to it. Oh say. gosh. Well, okay. you have. So his his uh, he he then goes on a serious tirade against 
um, particularly librettists in in general, because he thinks that the libretto should be done away with and the opera ought to be written by the composer. Yeah. Um, but especially, but both, both he, really, he really hates Puccini. He'll go, these great merchant publishers, speaking of the publishers of uh, Italian opera that were, you know, huge, then I guess remain quite big. They assigned commercial limits to operatic forms and proclaimed that the low, rachitic, and vulgar operas of Giacomo Puccini and Umberto Giordano are models not to be trespassed or superseded. See, see, they pay poets to waste time and intelligence in constructing and preparing a fetid confection, which is called an opera libretto, one made according to the recipe of that grotesque pastry cook named <laughs> Luigi Ilica. Right, so, <laughs> say that great. last part again because we're laughing, can't even say it. Publishers reject any opera by, that by good luck surpasses mediocrity. By means of their monopoly, they distribute and exploit their commodities and defend their field of action from any, oh damn it I've missed it you have yeah you went. they pay the poets to waste time and intelligence in constructing and preparing a fetid confection which is called an opera libretto one made according to the recipe of that grotesque pastry cook named Luigi Ilica I love how you you still couldn't even get through it the second time it's, it, this <laughs> ah, is this great. is if, if you haven't heard our against Passos Venice that was another problem with trying to talk about rocking chairs for cretins ah, so as a name for gondolas. Mm. Uh, some of these, they do know how to turn a phrase. They do. They do know how to turn a phrase. <laughs> Grotesque pastry cook. So specifically, he's he's worried. He he wants to do free verse um, in yes. opera librettos. But hold on, uh, just before yeah. you move on, uh, um, when he talks about that, uh, someone like Puccini mm-hmm. as setting a standard that can't be trespassed or superseded, he will have problems with this for two reasons, at least. One, because any kind of formalism and uh, 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 structure in academy is already going to be against futurism. Mm-hmm. We've, we said that in the founding, uh, foundation of futurism, uh, he, he actually looks forward to the end of futurism. And they'll find us huddled around our old aeroplane engine mm-hmm. and come and kill us. And the problem is, you know, this is Marinetti saying this. Um, so there is already a sense of that, that one, any kind of formalism will inherently uh, 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 be problematic. But secondly, it's, it's the fact that he calls it uh, low rachitic and uh, vulgar. It's as if it's kind of... I, I mean, what do you make of that? No, I'll probably because make, he I'll wants make... it to be. He wants it to. He'll want a kind of a cacophony. He'll want a kind of rawer, more raucous, almost like a an unmusic sound. He wants an unmusic, but he's also not talking only about that. He's also talking about the themes and yeah, and the story. You know, because the libretto is a play, yeah, as well. Um, like Tosca trying to kill, <laughs> stab him. You wouldn't have any. Of that. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have any of that. Um, I mean, he. I guess he didn't like that they were popular and, and, and he, he wanted them to perhaps be more chaste. I, I don't know. Don't you know that he's popular? He won a prize of a thousand lira. <laughs> probably. I, I, I tried to look that up. I, I couldn't find what it was exactly. It was probably about a, a stick of gum or something at the time. Wow. <laughs> no, it must have been more. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's... Eh. I yeah, like no, the it, grotesque it, pastry cook. I think it, yeah. I think it is the. I think it is though that you're, you're right that it is this kind of vulgar theme. It's overly sensual. Yeah, exactly. This is the problem that, that they've got to with, do with love. love and falling out of love mm-hmm. and tragedies and all these things. What if Valentine de Saint Point had had a chat with Pratella and could explain to him a couple of years later well, that actually have... lust could there is yeah. a way in to interpret lust into futurism because of the raw energy that it can provide I mean, and it can have... be more violent he's not violent enough no Houston, they might have agreed on probably a lot of things musically they probably would have agreed I guess although who knows if you're talking about Glazunov <laughs> god old fashioned but yeah I think I think it, it is it is a good moment to move on... Uh, I'd like to, to just cover uh, uh, Pietro Mascagni. I was going to say well-made music. But, ah. but if we must stumble over Mr. Mascagni, then we will. I think so, because he, 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 he does praise him. He does praise him. And this is, this is uh, uh, one of his judges as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, he's quite clear that 
the publishers do like him, and he's this exception. And uh, what does he praise his... Uh... He praises him for almost getting out of traditional opera, but staying within its harmonic and lyrical dimensions. Mm. Oh, sorry, staying within no, its no, traditional no, forms. Yeah. yeah. So he, 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 as I said in the in the pithy mm-hmm. summary, that that he he does actually have uh, this this shift in terms of harmony and lyricism that seems innov- uh, that uh, seems innovatory. Mm-hmm. It seems new. Um, but what sort of traditional forms then do you think he's got in mind here? I know it's a it's a it's a, it's a tricky question because. It's not clear uh, whether uh, uh, Mascagni, uh, when he does his operas, does he write his own librettos? And are they in free verse? Well, presumably they won't be in free verse. No, certainly not. But those are answers you will at some point get. Mm. But also, uh, um, I think he seems to have moved on as well. He doesn't think that, uh, a bit like, uh, unlike Puccini rather... He's not got those vulgar themes, uh, two vulgar themes of the opera. All right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's rebelled against uh, 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 arts traditions, its publishers, and is deceived and depraved, and it's deceived and re- depraved public. So that's going to be the problem with Puccini as well. As we were saying, those operas, they are just a little bit... They're too sentimental, and they, they apply to the base parts of human beings. Yeah, they certainly do. He, I guess it was different. He, uh, Muscagni did write uh, a few operas, although he was considered to be a bit of a one-hit wonder in his time. Um, he still has two. <laughs> I thought, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that still still seem to be, uh, to be fairly popular in the, the general repertoire. Um, but, you know, that leads me to believe it's not particularly... It's it's weird. He seems to be he he lives in this. It's quite avant garde, and Pratella's music itself feels feels quite avant garde, but it's not really there yet. I mean, much much bigger names would would come after him and and do a lot more. I think. Well, next. So the, the future's music seems a bit weirdly disjointed to me. Maybe it, it comes into its form really much later. Maybe it has influence sort of much further down, I don't know, into the 20th century, like late 20th century. Maybe that's where it really... So it, it does, first of all. Maybe. Maybe that's where, where it has more of its influence, but, but I think it's going to take some time for us to really appraise its, um, its significance. Well, I, I can give a little bit of a spoiler, Please. because next week, uh, we've, as we've already mentioned, we're doing the technical manifesto, and there he is far more specific in terms of the changes and shifts he expects to see. So we're moving beyond just... A free verse poem written by... We're moving beyond yeah. that and beyond taking a chance and getting away from the academies. We're actually going to be talking about uh, uh, the actual 12-tone system uh, and how that should be shifted and augmented and about really where resolution should come through. True. But then the week after that, probably the most influential of all the uh, futurist musical text, uh, The Art of Noises, done by Luigi Russolo, mm-hmm. who we will know, we will remember Russolo uh, from, um, as the painter, uh, who uh, 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 did Perfumo, mm-hmm. which is one that I really loved. You really love it. Yeah, yeah, as well as that uh, lamplight drawing. Uh, he, I like he that He seems one. to be far more, he's into, he's, like as a, as also a, the dog, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, was that Bala? No, that was Bala. Bala. Excuse me, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really like uh, Russolo. I think, I would love to make a judgment here uh, that the same characteristic that seems to come through his painting, we mm-hmm. will see through his contributions to music because he'll not only make some music, he'll also make brand new instruments. And he seems to have this deep fascination with uh, blending senses. Uh, he's kind of got this synesthetic quality. Uh, as if he's interested in something like Molyneux's um, problem. Yeah. You know, seeing about, you know, if you could... Uh, if the senses correspond in appropriate ways, that these modalities work like that, he's, he seems very interested in that. Um, mm. And so, and, and that will be very, very influential. That will influence people like John Cage. And it's written directly in response mm-hmm. to 
uh, uh, Pratella. It's actually oh. written. That, that's the address. He, he, so we'll see he influenced that. John Cage, did he? Oh. But Russolo did, yeah. Damn. Um, yeah. Damn, damn, and damn. probably Adamant. Hmm. I don't really? Ant? Yes. Yeah. Ant and the... Uh... Adamant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Are well, you, uh, I looked are this you, up uh, are and you, are you when adamant? I followed... All, well, when I followed all the references, <laughs> no, 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 I, they I, don't I, exist. <laughs> really? all, wow. Yes, and, and there are many backlinks and they all lead to a broken site that doesn't lead to anywhere. That's great. So it's quite possibly not. Well, speaking of, of badly broken sites and things mm. that are badly broken and hence badly made, yes. how about we transition to the well-made music, the concept of well-made music? Mm. Well-made music. What is well-made music? So we assume it's to do with, uh, it's a musical version of the well-made play, which yeah. is the, the concept that is, that is well-known, um, first pioneered by Eugène Scribe and hence championed by hacks from here to Hollywood and back. <laughs> it's the basis of all soap operas. Yes. And Ibsen. No, not Ibsen. Yes, Ibsen very is much, one of its Very critics. much, very much the basis. Ibsen, Ibsen would subvert it. Uh huh. Loves. The yeah, Ibsen. sure. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. If it, let's give some qualities of because um, uh, Pratella doesn't actually explain what he means by this. He just drops this phrase, "well-made music," and it must be a, a reference to this well-made play. It has to be. So, what are some of the uh, general? I guess concept is a well-made play. The, the general, yeah, and we'll try point. to abstract that out and see what he see might if, mean. See if, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, generally, it's a kind of neatness. That's the first thing. It's very formulaic, which again, being futurist, they will disagree with. But it's very neat. It'll be focused on a a plot that won't be especially intellectually challenging. So they don't typically explore concept very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it's so plot-focused, mm-hmm. even though it's going to be a very soft plot, um, th- there'll be this kind of naturalistic quality that's downplayed. Like Ibsen? No, not <laughs> at all. You're going to keep saying this, aren't you? Um, uh, yeah, and so the things like character and setting, these will be downplayed for the purpose of the plot. Which, sure. are, by the way, is very... Uh, that's an Aristotelian element. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aristotle always thought that the plot is far more important than character. God, he's yeah. God, Aristotle. What a, that's so wrong. Mm. No, it's it's fascinating. Um, yeah. You see strange things with with Shakespeare, where mm-hmm. he almost doesn't have plots, or when it, like the Tempest probably doesn't really have a plot. Really, it's nothing yeah. happens. Really, no. Yeah, exactly. Nothing really. Even happens. Prospero says uh, it starts with Prospero creating the Tempest, and then in the middle of the play, has Prospero going. What's happening? Oh, yeah, they're all under your spell. Ah, yes, just like the Tempest at the beginning. Yes. It's a, so, yes, it's all just under Prospero's spell, and that's the play. <laughs> Practically, right? Yeah. I mean, I, With I him guess at the end just going, matters. I renounce magic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so nothing happens, much like Godot, nothing happens twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's interesting to see that this element of, of, uh, of, uh, of plot, yeah. um, that's actually quite Aristotelian, yeah. just this idea of there being an organic unity. Uh, but unlike Aristotle, it shouldn't be intellectually lacking. Um, yeah, the resolution is also too whole. There will be. Did, a, did you just say, unlike Aristotle, it shouldn't be intellectually lacking? Yes. Did you just call Aristotle an idiot? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, he did. He did. He did. No, just I didn't. Him. Yes, you said. Did unlike I, Aristotle, who, do, do I do? Did I do too many negatives? You did too many negatives, oh, and you called snap. Aristotle a mentally deficient. Yeah. No, 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 Aristotle's wonderful. Sure, sure, sure. On this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort his, of for catharsis. His widow's going to be gutted when she hears this. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but no, um, the, the resolution here is, is uh, tr- uh, it's too whole, it's too satisfying. Yeah. There will be a, 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 a finale, there'll be a denouement, which is too simple and plausible. It's just too obvious to the audience. You, you it's create too obvi- ex- It was too obvious and yet inevitable, isn't it? Yes, you create mm-hmm. their expectations. Inevitable yet surprising. Inevitable yet surprising, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, would you like to say the scene? The scene affair, yeah. The scène obligatory affair. scene yeah. is one of the trademarks of this. So the obligatory scene would be when... So you have your inciting incident um, at 
the start of the play or the first first third of the first act roughly mm. is where you'd have it and then that inciting incident would then uh lead to a conflict and then the conflict's resolution well not exactly resolution but it's it's climax it's culmination is the scene affair so for instance um at the, where the bad guy and the good guy meet finally and they finally meet to fight against one another the voldemort and harry potter there you go right mm. it's set up the whole time that eventually they're going to they're going to zoop and zap each other and they do in that one big zoop zapping scene, right? Zoop zap. Yeah. Um, that's I've not read the books, but I read the first two. I think that's what happens. Zoop and zap. But any, exactly. So um, that's but, one of the obligatory scenes. And there's all these, like, um, I guess, elements that have to be in there. Um, mm. and, and a lot of times audiences, I think, expect um, things to have that structure and feel very unsatisfied when that doesn't happen. So yeah. if you know if you were to listen to I think a lot of of um the hideous online chatter about like Marvel movies and stuff like that um whenever there are vague subversions to the form people get very upset and very angry um and demand a certain kind of satisfaction that I do think things like well-made, well-made plays aspects, give you. So yeah, of course there be, is. Yeah. So but there's, there's two more things yeah. just to mention. A dramatic, sure, sure. A, a, a kind of dramatic irony uh, is also very prominent, mm-hmm. where there'll be some sort of misunderstanding between characters, and they won't. There will be certain things that they won't know, but the audience will know, sure. and that's what will. This will actually facilitate the creation of those expectations, mm-hmm. like that Ibsen. lead no. Yes, <laughs> his maybe his early plays. <laughs> yeah. A doll's house, certainly not. Even though I'm not, I don't really like the doll's house. So Ghosts, soon, however, so excellent. Yeah. Ghosts again subverts. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, eventually, um, Thomas is going to attack me, and uh, there will be an audible attack. <laughs> but yeah. also, uh, um, and this is probably another thing. Uh, and again, it ties in with this organic unity. The structure of the overall play mm-hmm. should, in a sense, be made manifest in, in its entirety within each. Section within yes, each within act. each act and each scene. even within each scene. Yeah. Exactly. So everything has to have its its inciting incident, its little peak, and then it comes down, and then you return home. You return to the same to home, you know, to the same place, but you're not quite the same. Mm. Things are a little different. But then, just to go back to the beginning, so mm-hmm. uh, again, so focuses on the plot. Sure. Not character is downplayed. They serve a purpose, which is to. Uh, uh, forward the plot yeah. and it's not going to be too challenging and it's, it's you know the audiences they're played up to you know you want to satisfy them True. you want to create these things and fulfill them how yeah. do we then relate it uh, to how music. do we abstract this to the music so I mean something like a symphony is traditionally in four movements there'll typically be a sonata within exactly. it exactly perhaps they'll which you is know, a, they'll... a piece for a single for a single instrument sure then they'll, they'll you know you'll have a, a, a climax Presumably every movement will have its own little climax. Uh, and then at the end there will be a thematic d- d- satisfaction to the whole thing, I guess. Yeah, so you're imagining that the symphony, it, it won't be too challenging no. intellectually in this well-made music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each movement should be, you know, almost it, it, like the well-made play, reflect the overall piece. Roughly three minutes long, like, <laughs> a, like a plastic bag type oh. Okay, listeners, uh, I'll explain that reference because I don't. At some point, at that. some point, no, 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 they'll understand. They'll understand. We have a very un- unlike the Discerning. audience of a, un- unlike the audience of a well-made play. We have because this is a they love terrible, Katy Perry, don't and, they? And because this is a terribly made podcast, they're definitely not what expecting the same thing. <laughs> no, no, no because firework. remember that's a reference to firework. Were I this to be were this to be a well-made podcast, that'd be derisive. Okay, mm. we can't. Have call you it ever that. felt like a plastic bag, air- bag aerial? <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever felt like floating <laughs> through the wind. Oh, you really hate again. that song, don't you? <laughs> oh God, when has a plastic bag ever wanted to start again? I just despise it so much. That is a well. It's not well made. I refuse to use that. That that, that language loses all meaning. Here you say it. I, I can't stand that song. No. Um, 
But no, so that there should be some sort of satisfying climax. True. And we are to assume then the opposite of that. We want to move away from well-made music, and this is what mm-hmm. futurist music is going to do. So there should be a greater separation between the parts. There could also be... Uh, uh, so uh, you shouldn't... It shouldn't be... Uh, there should be think questions left. We should expect uh, a deeper uh, intellectual mm-hmm. probing. Um, or we could expect that. Uh, also, now this is where I think it's interesting. Try to interpret the dramatic irony that... Uh, to that the audience should know something that the characters, uh, characters don't know. And then that's what pushes them. How would that work in music? How would you have that dramatic irony in terms of... Well, it depends. So, if you, if you, um, sometimes different... There are characters in music sometimes. Yes. I mean, there are quite... Not only in, not only in a libretto where there obviously are characters and so on... Um, but even in music, you can have mm. like dialogues almost between. Well, you between can in opera because parts. he's also interested in opera. Yeah. But I chose symphony just. Uh, just of course, so so I guess I guess within within that you could have a like a certain dialogue between different parts of the orchestra, which, which you often do, mm. um, and it, it feels feels like like something is happening. Obviously, it's harder to follow that, but like I don't know, and say the the. Vivaldi's Four Seasons or something, mm. you know, you, you can tell which is which. Yes. Roughly, right? So so there are ideas of narrative and structure that, that do permeate musically um, and I think pretty similarly. Springs, yeah. Stravinsky's here. Yeah, you see that there as well. So that that's about as much of an answer as I think I can give. I know, but the, the thing about dramatic irony is that um, the audience will be privy to certain facts the characters in the play are not. Now, you can either do that, you can either break dramatic irony by having the characters uh, be aware of virtually everything, mm-hmm. or that the audience knows, in which case there's no irony in there. Like Agatha Christie. Oh, gosh. You keep winding me on this one. Thomas's two favorite playwrights, um, and he mm. considers them to be equal entirely. Are Ibsen and Agatha Christie? Certainly not. <laughs> I was so disappointed with the mousetrap. <laughs> so I haven't seen this. You can't spoil it. No, I can't. Mm. But I'm just going to come out of this one, don't, having don't. just said all these negative things, just like, oh, Katy Perry's terrible. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. That's... The only person I've celebrated is Ibsen. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, and uh, well, and uh, Aristotle. But that's not even part of this, really. No, but you just feel bad because you've insulted him so much. Ugh. So. No, no, no. Wait, but uh, the, so you can either have the characters be privy to, to all the knowledge, or the audience has to be as lost as they are. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is a massive part of Samuel Beckett's plays mm. that the audience won't know. They will have as much knowledge as the characters, and they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. They are as lost. Mm-hmm. And so. If there was a sense that this music, in terms of the operas or the symphonies, the listener has to be as lost as whoever is exploring the theme. If there is anything to learn at all, because there might not be, it might mm-hmm. not be clear, that might just be the raw experience that has to come through. That would be very futurist, but he doesn't say that. No, he doesn't. But he it, would doesn't. Be, it would be very early to think something like that. Well, maybe not. I mean, he, he is interested in free verse. He's interested in, in these different things. And mm. uh, I, I, I guess he, he does want that to happen. He's talking about music. So I think... I think we may be we we may have to move on to the declarations because I, I don't think know so. we can tease anything else out. No, no, no. We'll move on to the declarations. So, which ones do you think are particularly different? Yeah, uh, they're singular they because there are many. Like the first, for example, to desert the schools. Yeah, convince young um, composers to desert musical lyceums. Exactly. And consider um, free study is the only means right, of reaching. Uh, fight, you know, with disdain against the critics. That's another. well, okay. So that one is quite similar to, of course, uh, the tenth uh, sure. the declaration in the first Futurist Manifesto, the Manifesto uh, on the Foundation of Futurism. Uh, hold on, let me just find the tenth one. So while you do that, um, three is slightly different, but broadly in the same bent abstaining from participating in competition with the closed envelopes and related admissions charges. 
<laughs> denouncing the mystifications and revealing the incompetence of juries that are generally composed of cretins and dotards. Oh, God, he's a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of these are, I think, something that anyone, any young person doing art feels immediately. You feel that your superiors are a bunch of morons and hacks and they're terrible at their jobs and they're making this staid, glossy garbage. And and you keep submitting these brilliant pieces of work that everyone else thinks are terrible. And sometimes you're right. Mm. <laughs> the other times you're not. No. He was he was quite good. Um, and then the the fourth one I've related to the first because I away think from that commercial it's more and, or less a sale, uh, the same. Keep away from commercial and academic environments, disdaining them. Um, but the, yeah. so I think it's a repeat. He's basically saying. Stay away from uh, Money. Pr- uh, professional uh, uh, um, uh, music academies. But he, he really stresses in that one, the fourth one, preferring a modest life over the large profits. That's quite good. I feel like Marinetti wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't subscribe to that. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange, I feel like Marinetti it? would want the profits. Sometimes. But there are a lot of repeats in this one. It's not as succinct. Uh, and uh, so I, I related them so that... Convince Young Composers does that. This is the tenth in the original manifesto. That uh, We will destroy the museums, libraries, academies of every kind. We'll fight moralism, feminism, every opportunistic or utilitarian cowardice. So again, it's that moving away from those mm. things. But it's not as punchy as the original. And the second one, fight the assiduous disdain of critics. I mean, that again we see in the uh, Futurist Painters, uh, 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 both in the original and in the uh, Futurist Painting Technical Manifesto. Uh, If we look at the first one, Mm -hmm. it's in the fifth, and it's regard art critics as useless and dangerous. Yeah. But no, I think I think I think most of these are most of these are quite similar. They do. So there is a strong. There is a strong. Are are quite different. and again, you're free of all influence and imitation. And again, that's we can see that in the futurist painters. Destroying the bias in favor of well-made music, rhetoric and impotence. Proclaim a unique concept of futurist music. Absolutely different from what has been done until now. Now, see, that's a very brave yeah. comment. Absolutely different from what has, been, what has been made. It's interesting also in that context of the well-made um, play or music... Um, I guess mainly play. There's a sense when when you start looking at these structural interpretations of plot or structural interpretations of yeah of of of, of stories in general, um, you kind of start running up against almost barriers. It seems like every single thing ever written must fit into this or that structure. Hmm. There must be maybe some sense in which it's true, and that. Uh, if it's a thing where there's a conflict and then presumably that conflict gets resolved, then, well, there you go, done, right? Then it has a three-act structure or whatever. Yes. And you you have every few years, I mean, first it starts out with this Polish guy in 18-something or other, and then every few years they keep making them. Some screenwriting hack writes another one of these books and they go on and on. Um talking about the basic plot lines or some Jungian archetypal something or other. Um, this is a very poorly formed idea that I have now, but I, it feels to me a little bit like, like in a lot of cases you can put those labels on a thing without really explaining the core of that thing. Well, so you think that uh, uh, no, is inarticulate? No, no, I, I'm, I'm... That he what, has what a, I'm, a well-defined idea. No, what well I'm trying made. to... Not at all, no. What I'm trying to say, actually, is I'm deeply sympathetic to his disdain for well-made play or well-made music um, in that I think it's a viciously reductive concept that is creatively stifling and destructive. Um, I guess if you like Eugène Scribe, have to write what is it 550 of these during your lifetime yeah you're right. then you're right a lot. you know and you have to crank out the next eastenders then you know go for it I, I, there's nothing wrong with it it can be really fun and but but there is something oh something not quite right about trying to turn every great piece of work into this condensed 
satisfactory pill for an audience to swallow in a way i mean i think it feeds a certain kind of complacency that that is that is also very loathsome in say a modern superhero movie's audience where they know what they want and that's all they want to get you know that's 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 disturbing to me that must be one of the most covert criticisms of contemporary society that's ever been issued that's ever been issued you think yeah Hmm. So, what do you think of modern te- uh, uh, films? Even? Oh, well, I, I'm not talking yeah. about that at all, Thomas. I'm talking specifically about uh, Francisco Malia Pratella's Manifesto of Futures Musicians. Exactly. Yeah. But hold on. So, let's... Uh, I, no, I, for the most part, agree. Uh, <laughs> With that bizarre interlude. Yeah. No, no, no. I thought that was actually very nicely put. That was mm. actually wonderfully uh, uh, expressed. But uh, uh, there's a lot that's repeated. The reason I was mentioning, like these kind of similarities that we see with the original and also with uh, the painter's manifesto is that we, we it's, it's interesting to see these ideas repeated and how they take shape through different mediums. Uh, but in terms of uh, uh, what's actually new, I mean, we've got things like, you know, abstain from a competition or whatever. That's not particularly important. Uh, what is interesting is that he really does, he mentions that well-made music, but then also says something that he doesn't stress enough in the earlier section, which is, um, and it's number seven, I'll just read it out. Proclaim that the reign of the singer must end, and that the singer is no more important to the opera than an instrument is to the orchestra. A fantastic egalitarian uh, musical comment there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, and there still is to this day, always a, a sense that a vocalist, no matter their position, is always something of a lead. Um, and now you That's actually, of course, have because be... Thomas plays bass. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh, they are answers it. But this is imp- interesting because uh, the singer will, especially a lead singer will almost always hold the main lead, the main melody. Uh, whereas there may be a sense in which uh, uh, Pratella is uh, uh, more interested in other parts of music. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be the melody or even counterpoint where different melodies will be interacting uh, or indeed uh, 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 strange harmonies or disharmonies. It will actually be that all of these things are very relevant and will serve a purpose and that no one is more important than another. I mean, he's, he's right. He's right generally, you know, in the same way that, like in film, the director is the one that gets the credit, but really it's an intensely collaborative enterprise. Um, so it's almost a commercial, like, so a, a, a lot of these seem to be like commercial complaints or complaints about the, the, the the medium in which in which this art is is consumed and maybe with music it makes more sense than with painting or mm. maybe even with poetry because with painting there's one thing there's one painting it's got bought once mm. it's not usually consumed broadly um, but music I mean it, it, it is is reproducible right and so for nowadays. Everything's reproducible, essentially, in some sense, yeah. and nothing's worth anything. But back then, I guess besides the poetry that could be bought and sold, even though poetry always has a much smaller market, music was one of the more popular things that I guess was probably running into these commercial constraints more often, whereas the art, yes, but it's different. It's a different little world. But I also think he found it stifling. There's sure. a lot of... What we haven't really talked about... We've mentioned it and alluded to it, but he makes a big deal of it in the earlier part, which is that these... One, he doesn't just hate the academies because they praise other people, but they also... They're, they're these gatekeepers, these publishers. They're so boring that they're always reproducing the same old thing. And, and it's true. It's, it's a limit. But, I mean, you look at theatre, you look at music now, and it's the same. It's always very similar. There's always these... It's not necessarily a good thing, but there's loads of gatekeepers that always put on the same things. Like, I saw in the Royal Opera House a Handel piece. Mm. It was terrible. It was called Theodora. It was terrible. And it was apparently based on a libretto by an Englishman. Horrible. Just the worst. Absolutely terrible. But you like the strippers in it, right? Yeah, the strippers were great. (laughs) But the libretto was garbage. Yeah. 
By the way, there actually are as well. <laughs> it's there, not there, just a... there, yeah, no, but it was in the Royal Labra House, Thomas. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, I, I just I want to come back to that. Uh, I want to propose something because uh, you were saying that uh, uh, he, he does. He hates these uh, these ballads and he hates the, some of these old themes and that. And you'll see that with the painters, like uh, the nude must go, not because we're prudish, but because it's just it's been it's hackneyed. It's, it's done. Been done. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and sure, we we don't want to satisfy the audiences as much. The audiences actually need. To be slapped. Sure. He doesn't say it, but I think we can actually extract that from him, from what he's written here. In a way, he's right. It'd be lovely. The, the, the yeah. problem is the audiences don't don't go to be slapped. Because right? that's that's how you yeah. can't force them to sit there and be slapped, which is unfortunate. No, but that's what the paintings have to do as well. They're sure. meant to be a little bit jarring. They're meant to move you as well, like that. But uh, I, I, I'd love to focus a little bit more on the seventh one, just very briefly, of the, why the Reynolds singer, and no more important than any instrument in the orchestra. And I'd like to relate that also to uh, uh, the fact that the composer should also do the libretta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would wonder if we could make out of that uh, an implicit, uh, an implicit proposition that, um, or rather, implicit proposal that every element of of music is relevant, and one must have a mastery of all of them. So if you think that the opera, uh, sorry, the singer is the most important in the opera, then you might put too much of your energies into just uh, 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 getting that one thing right. Yeah. And perhaps not putting as much effort in the rest because it's not important. And maybe it's going to be hidden. If you hmm. think, if you end up, if you put everything on a level, uh, uh, on a level playing field, then suddenly you can't get away from that. If you end up only living up to one of them, then you fail everything else. Uh, and and, uh, and it's, you're go- it's going to be clear. It's going to be apparent. You can't get away with it. Definitely. And also, I think... No, do you? Because I don't... Uh, I think I'm putting that forward. And that, he that, doesn't necessarily say that, that but I'm that, wondering if he's... So, I, I think he's putting forward, rather... It's, it's come to me a bit that maybe he is... That music for him shouldn't be mere accompaniment to a story and to the words of some you know, cake-making librettist or something. Um, yes. And I think he is... He really doesn't want that, and it would be b- really bizarre if someone would were to take a libretto, I guess, um, a conventional libretto, and set to it really horribly jarring music that has absolutely no tonal or thematic connection to what's happening. That'd be really odd. Maybe, maybe kind of futurist and pretty cool, I yeah. guess. But uh, I guess he really doesn't want he he doesn't want these like thematic impositions on his work. He wants to be able to make the entire thing himself, and the only for the only way for that to happen is for the composer to write the libretto and to write it in free verse and have it be as as wild and disparate as they so choose. I think that's a bit where they're going from. Does that sound? I think that. No, I think that's that's a good way. Yeah. And so I think we can make up a, a rough summary there that uh, his, his main points, really, uh, in this first manifesto, which is the general one, mm-hmm. not the technical one, but the general one, is that we should be... Uh, uh, there is this problem with the academies. They're not only teaching uh, 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 things that are just going to repeat the same old things, but they're also stopping new things. They won't allow any yeah. innovation. Also... Um, there should be a greater connection between um, uh, the composer and, as it were, the writer. Yeah. Uh, and that the various elements of a symphony or an opera, that each of them is important. Um, but also, as opposed to uh, well-made music, which we assume follows the, roughly the structure of a well-made play, uh, in terms of, it, sure. uh, in terms of its uh, concepts, uh, that... The audience must, in a sense, be somewhat disappointed or at least led on in a way where they will not be entirely satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he, he doesn't like the audience. No. And you don't write necessarily... Uh, and, and the, the, you might write for their interest, depending on what you think their interests are. There might be to might, give but, them a, a jarring mm-hmm. experience. Sure. 
and that that's the vitality that they need. That's the war, mm-hmm. the only hygiene of the earth, as we know, exactly. the only cleanser. It's in violence. But would you agree with that? That's roughly it. There, there so. seems to be a, a lot about it. the audience they cannot yeah, be I think, lived uh, up to. Yeah, I think we, we, we kind of took our, our time to really wrap our head around this one, but I think I get, I get that now, and I think it's... He's Strongly very much for it. I yeah. think that's a nice conclusion that it isn't is. he's immediately very much, apparent from this. Yeah, he's very much wrestling with the audience and his obligation. I mean, he doesn't think he has any, but the 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 obligation of the artist to the audience. And also, look, this is the first time that we see something. That we look at an art form where the audience matters. Because in poetry, uh, only yeah, in a... They stressed the... Well, the, the, the but why should they? Audience. Why should they? I mean, in, a, in poetry, maybe in a poetry reading, the audience somehow matters. But even there, you're kind of quiet. Um, but the audience for performance is fundamental. I mean, it, it's, it's... You have this direct contact with it in a way that you really don't when you're making your niche little poetry magazine or even your painting. Um, and you don't even run a movie, right? It's a, it's a distinct... Theatrical and musical and operatic, I guess, mm. um, thing. Oh, and one more thing, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so this is, is this, this is this is all about audience. A, a, a yeah. deeper thing. This is all about audience and wrestling theme, with it. I'm wondering. Theme. He he had mentioned theme as uh, prob- vulgar themes. But he just. just but he know. doesn't mention any alternatives. It's like we should be looking at depth like this. No. But I think he wants to. But he just doesn't say it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point to end. Mm. Well, if you made it this far with us... Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully that last part was especially interesting where we we tied it all together there and uh, extracted the best of the juice. Once again, we have uh, an Instagram and a Kofi page if you want to follow us and support us. Check on the description. Check over all all our socials. Um, we are a little bit sporadic with our posting, mm. but uh, ideally every week. Ideally every week, every two weeks. Exactly. Uh, definitely don't despair. Mm. We are still going strong. Mm. And next week, as we said, uh, we'll be doing the technical manifesto again by uh, Pratella, and hopefully we'll be joined by a guest, someone that might know something specific to music. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, watch out for, listen to, for that. Yeah. A third party. 